Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Um, our guest today is um, some, somebody I actually spoke to last year initially and did an interview with him last year. And, uh, you know, we liked it so much that we decided to, uh, you know, bring him back. In, in fact, it's kind of funny because as you'll find out in the interview, uh, one of the questions he asked him last year, um, which he answered... Um, has actually come true for him. <laughs> so, um, I'd like to welcome back um, Frederick Viedman, um, who, you know, he's a composer, he's done a lot of great work. Um, he's probably best known to uh, comic book fans for the, for the fantastic work that he's done on the Green Lantern animated series. And he's currently working on the uh, score for Beware the Batman. Um, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Redrick Liebman. Okay, well I'd like to welcome back to the uh, show. We we actually had uh, this guy on the show last year when 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 they released the uh, first. Uh, you know, a lot of music from, from the Green Lantern animated series. I'd like to welcome back Frederick Viedman, um, the composer behind the music. How are you doing, Frederick? I'm great. I'm glad to be back. It's great to have you back. And um, obviously, we, we wasted a little bit of time talking about guitar and uh, composition before we started this. Um, so, um, you know, it looks like you've been, been up to quite a lot in the, last, in, in the year since we last spoke. Um, you know, I'd like to say great job on the second, second series of Green Lantern um, and kind of like uh, throw the question in of uh, how do you think the music has actually, you know, actually evolved on that show from the first season to the work that you did on the uh, second season? Well, the big, the big thing that really has changed is obviously because of the big love story that's happening in, in season or they they don't call it really season two, they call it the back 13. I'm just going to re- refer to it as that because it's really just all one season um, officially. So anyway, the first 13 episodes were more or less a an invasion story, you know, driven by war and the, the Red Lanterns invading Green Lantern space and being incredibly violent, etc. and so forth. And season two really 
besides the fact that it was dealing with the anti-monitor and the, or later on, Aya being the anti-monitor as a threat, the big threat was really the, the relationship between Aya and Razor. And even though we were feeling very threatened by her throughout, there had always had to be this underlying love connection that we kind of know that despite Aya being so evil, Razor is still feeling for her. So musically, there was a lot less, it was a lot less um, about the action and the fighting and very much more about threading in that relationship. So at the last episode, when everything goes down and uh, Aya and Razor confront each other as their normal selves, it, it really pays off to the audience the way it needs to be. Um, so really, that was the thing we were trying to do throughout. And there is a big Razor Aya love theme that is being introduced early on in the back 13 episodes that, that develops all the way through to the end and becomes very big and epic with vocals in the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, as long like listening to the, um, to the to volume, I think it was volume two, uh, the, green, the, the, the recent soundtrack that they've released and um, I was actually listening to it the, the other week um, when and my music teacher happened to come in and he was wondering what the hell, hell it was I was playing and uh, you know, so so Tom, so sounds pretty cool. <laughs> well, that's good to hear from a music teacher. Excellent. Yeah, and it's my guitar teacher. Very um, good. But you know, and you know, he he, um, he 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 went on to punish me by making me play to a metronome. You know, for playing yeah. such cool music. I see. Like, yeah. if you want to get there, play to a metronome now. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> these are uh, these are uh, music teachers. They're weirdos. I'm telling you. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, on, on the on the inlay of the DVD sleeve, uh, you speak, you know, really, really highly of, um, of 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 somebody. I can't remember the name of the person off the top of my head, but you can song it when when, when I mention it. You you know who it is. But you speak highly of the person that actually used, you know, did the Greek strings uh, that were used for for the uh, demons in the series. Um, and I just want to ask, uh, how did that come about, and what other kinds of instruments did you actually try and to hit on the idea of using, you know, Greek stringed instruments? Well, we were kind of thinking we already had the Armenian duduk, which we used throughout pretty much exclusively on the Guardians because it's such an ancient sound, yet kind of wise. It's it's, it's such an interesting instrument, really. But that was kind of already taken. And then we had these sort of ethereal, slightly ethnic vocals for the star sapphires and and, and the, the theme of love in general. And then we had um, electric violin for Razor because we thought that was the more alien-esque but yet emotionally deep instrument that we could find. Um, and it also wasn't quite conventional. We wanted something that people don't quite know what it is first when you hear it. So there was a... These were all taken and I just... I was looking at the episode of... you. I think you're referring to um, the Babel episode with the goblins, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I was looking at the visuals, and it looked very. There was a lot of desert, and it was kind of tribal. So I thought, like, maybe these kind of old, kind of guitar-y things that could, could potentially sound a little Middle Eastern or, or Greek might be an interesting thing to try because it's something new we haven't done before, and it will really separate the world from the other worlds that we've already been been on. So that was kind of the concept, and you know, as always, I present that verbally to my producers, and then they say, "Well, I have no idea what that would be like, but just run with it, and we'll see what happens." <laughs> They have enough faith that, that they'll let me try it, which is great. It's it's really good to have that creative freedom because um, you, you kind of need that. That You need to be comfortable failing in order to achieve something different. You know what I mean? If you if you feel like you have no margin of error, you can never try something that won't work, then you don't try enough, is my opinion. So I was really glad that Bruce Tim and Giancarlo Paul really gave me all the freedom I needed to, to explore what I wanted. And in this case, we tried the guitars and, you know, they ended up liking it. It, it fitted nicely with our sci-fi orchestral vibe that we had kind of going through as a as a tone throughout the rest of the show and yeah it came uh, it, it came out great i think it's an interesting thing and we haven't brought it back for any 
that episode. So it's really a standalone choice of instruments for that one episode because we never return to that planet. Yeah, it sounded pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, um, and you know, one one of the major challenges that you know you that you that you that you're always going to have an animated series, a uh, night green lantern, and of course um, uh, the new Batman show that you're working on. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> had to sneak that in there. Um, yeah, is you 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 you're forever going to be working on a budget? So I'm just wondering, what kind of sacrifices do you find yourself having to make, and and how how do you make it all sound really expensive? Because yeah. the one thing I noticed about the I've noticed this about your Green Lantern score, and you know, and is that it sounds it sounds like a movie. It sounds like a movie soundtrack. So I'm just wondering how how you managed to do that on. Um, on, on, on the limited TV budget that you have to well, work with? Well, you know, it's, um, it's obviously, given that I, I'm supposed to do a big orchestral epic sweeping score and I have no money to record an actual big epic orchestra, that's the biggest compromise right there. I mean, obviously, ideally, I would have a 100-piece group with choir in front of me every week to do each episode, which is obviously not going to happen. So that's my, biggest, that's, my, that's my biggest compromise right there. So what I need to do now is figure out to get the best possible result with what I have in my computer. And partially, it's just having having the best libraries that are out there obviously that's a, that's kind of a must you can't be noodling around with really old stuff that doesn't quite sound up to par with what's what's out there right now so I'm always trying to stay up to date technically to just be be on the cutting edge of, of sonic excellence so to speak so I'm really focused on getting all this stuff and then the, the main key that I also tell my students at USC is that each library that you buy if it's just a brass library or even just a trumpet library you have to practice using it just like you have to practice an instrument like each individual library has its strengths and its weaknesses <laughs> And certain things sound great, other things don't, but may, may sound great and fantastic if you play it live, but with a specific library, it just does not translate well at all. So knowing all of that for all the libraries that I'm using is really a great asset because now I can write specifically for what I have at my fingertips and make it sound the best possible way. Like there was a few a few times where I wanted to write something, um, especially in the brass section that is sort of very effecty, and but it just if it doesn't translate well and it sounds weird, I won't do it. I'll find some other way to do it. And mm -hmm. that's another way to compromise because I really... I only want to use the libraries at their, at their strongest point. And only then I think you can get a really convincing mock-up. And, you know, if I had an 100-piece orchestra in front of me every week, the music would probably sound a hell of a lot different because I wouldn't have to make these compromises in terms of articulations and dynamics and so forth. So it's really about that, I think. Uh, knowing what libraries are good at, knowing how to produce it, having a good sense of what an synth orchestra sounds like and compared to a real one, and know knowing about panning the right reverbs. And it's really just having a good knowledge and a good ear for what a good orchestral sound is, then you can really come up with it fairly easily. Mm -hmm. Well, since you and I last talked, <laughs> um, quite quite a bit's happened for you. I mean, for example, you're working on the new Batman show. Yeah. Um, what's it called now? Beware of a Batman? Mm -hmm. Correct. Oh, scary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, beware. I mean, it's still for kids, but it is actually quite scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and you also uh, you, you also did a, last year, you did a, a Justice League movie. I, I, think you, I think you did Flashpoint Paradox. Yep, actually that was this year and it just came out a couple of days ago on iTunes. So it was just released. It's actually a very new, new title cool. that just came out. So yeah, that was a great movie actually. I was really excited about it. People really like it. It's very dark and very violent. Um, but the story to me is just really interesting. It's a huge, big twist on every single superhero of the Justice League that is really enjoyable to see where it's going. Yeah, well, Great character development and beautiful designs. I think it's a really fun movie to watch. From what I've actually read about it, you know, so it's got more, uh, it's got a few more adult themes running through it than, say, the Green Lantern series would have because obviously it's for older kids. Um, 
how how did you deal with that musically, as in the more adult themes of Song I King Flashpoint Paradox? Yeah, well, I think the story itself already just made me do it. You know, I didn't really have to sit there and figure it out. It's just the fact that the story was so dark and so devastating. Um, it's just kind of emerged out of that, you know. If I'm looking at something that is more sci-fi and, and more on the fun side, it's that's what comes out of when I look at that. But in Flashpoint specifically, the, the direction was, once we get into the alternate universe, I don't know if you little, know a little bit about the synopsis, but basically it's, it takes place with Flash changing something in the past and then he's in an alternate universe and he's trying to get back to the real one. That's basically the gist of the story that they've publicly announced, so I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, during the alternate universe, things are really, really bad. It's a really, really bad time. Nothing is like it is in the real world. Um, Superman is a, is a mess. Batman is even a worse mess. And it's just Aquaman is the villain. And so basically everything that was good in the old alternate universe has gone really, really sour. And so the, the concept was that once we're in that world, just until the very end of the movie, when we, when we come back to the real reality, is they wanted it to be very dark, very electronic, almost sound designy, horrific at times, and very reduced orchestral usage. So I really focused on using a lot of percussion, dark ambient synth pads and weirder instruments that are a little bit more out there. And that was kind of the, the tone we set for the alternate universe. And both, both ends of the film at the top and at the end, it pretty much goes back to straight orchestral superhero music, because that's when we're back in the, in the real universe, you know? Mm -hmm. A sound I very much like, and I've, I've, heard, it, I've heard Bear McCreary use it a lot in his soundtracks, um, is um, I, I just love it when you take a bass guitar and uh, you tune it up an octave. Yep. So, so it almost sounds like a knee guitar. It's not, you know, it sounds like the lower, lower, lower register on a knee guitar. Right. Only it's, you know, it sounds, sounds a little bit, you know, Different. I know the books. You know, it's it's it, it sounds a little bit different, but it's just mm -hmm. you know that sound. Uh, it's a, no, I've never tried that. That's a, it's interesting. You you can actually go in up an octave without the, the strings breaking because that's a, that's a lot of pressure. I don't, I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they do. I'm not sure if that's how to do it. But it's, it's something. It's something done with a, with, with a bass guitar where it, it actually sounds like it's um you know you know set to a higher octave than ah. than what a bass guitar would normally be. be. I'm not sure if it's some sort of like pedal that they're using or something electronic or. Interesting. Or if it's a tuning thing, um, but it's it's something I've heard on on a, on a few few soundtracks. You know, very interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, I do I do stuff like this a lot, but but generally it's um it's after the recording session. Like I will record my duduk and I will pitch it then down an octave virtually with a, with with software. Those type of sound altering things I do a lot, especially on Batman because it's a very it's a very electronic spaced score. So there's a lot of manipulation going on left and right on drums, on guitars, on all sorts of things. It's a very it's a very synthetic score with incredibly little orchestral things. You hear French horns and strings poking through here and there but it's pretty much just based on based on a, on an electronic template with you know doing a lot of audio manipulation which is really a fun thing to mess around with because very interesting unexpected things happen mm -hmm. I always like that process a lot I mean, what, one thing that I'm going to have to try and, try, try and do once I can play a little bit more than I can now on my on my guitar because I've only been playing a year as you right. know I can play a few songs I'm song I'm learning about riffs and and uh, all sorts of different different things um, although I'm kind of like I'm like uh, everyone when they first pick up an instrument, I just want to run before I can walk. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. But you know, it'd be interesting once I know how to play a bit more. You know, it'd be interesting to find out you know what sort of little things and gadgets I can get to play play around with the sound. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Siren a little bit more. You know. 
and uh, you, you're probably sat there thinking, you know, this guy is gonna, this guy is gonna be in for a bit of a shock when he finds out yeah. what he can do. <laughs> it's all, it's all fun, you know. Playing an instrument is, is supposed to be really just a fun thing for you. So I think you, you have the right, the right ideas in your head to move, to look forward to. I think it's great. Mm. It's, it's fun, but there's a lot of discipline to it as well. Absolutely, it, it always depends on how good you want to be. You know, I mean, guitar is an interesting instrument because you can play fairly well very quickly. It's different than a violin, where you really have to need years. You need years of practice to get just a tone that sounds good. You know, just a single note without it squeaking. But guitar kind of sounds great right out of the box, and you just practice a little bit, and you can play a lot of basic songs pretty damn quickly. I'd say faster than any other instrument. You know, mm-hmm. so and then from that point on, it just depends on how how disciplined you are and how how good you want to be. You know, if you if you say, you know what, if I can get to the, if I can play all the songs from the doors, I'll be a happy camper. Um, but some people want to go further. Like in my instance, I, I started out playing rock guitar. That was the thing I wanted to do when I was like 14, because mm-hmm. that's like cool amongst your you know friends, etc. And so I started doing that. But then you realize really quickly that it's something that you you kind of learn the basics of it, and from that point on, you figure out everything else on your own. It's very easy. Power chords, you know, especially heavy metal. I'm not saying it's it's simple music, but just knowing the basics of it, you get there very fast. Mm-hmm. So I I was eagerly trying to figure out another thing to learn and then my, my guitar teacher started teaching me jazz which is incredibly difficult and involves a lot of knowledge besides skill so I, that was that took a lot of time for me to get that going but it was exciting and really fun so i if you get bored of rock and the more straight stuff i can highly recommend diving into jazz for a little bit well you know i'm so like um, i'm kind of like um i'm kind of wanting to learn <laughs> rock and blues at the moment but i guess that's quite a bit of jazz <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I kind of listen to Jazz FM, which is a radio channel we got here, and I listen to quite a bit of that. And, uh, um, you know, I'd say, you know, although I, I know I'm a big fan of blues and rock, um, as far as what I listen to, I'm quite eclectic and, op- and open to new ideas. And this, the, the way, the way, way, way I am in song, I can, I, I'm pretty, you know, I, I can actually, um, there's, there's a song that I learned, it's an old Oasis standard called Half the World Away, and I picked that one up right at the beginning of the year. And it's kind of like, there's a little bit of a, a ringing, easy song, like jazz swing in the strum, where you uh, literally miss a beat on the strum. And, and that, that's kind of like a cool little sound that I've, that I've quite enjoyed playing with. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I mean, so I'm, um, but what, what I want to do is I want to be able to song, like, play full soundtracks on guitar, such as Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, no, what you should see, I was, uh, uh, send me your email address later. I have a friend who, who does some, he plays fingerstyle guitar, like more acoustic. Yep. But he makes his own versions of a lot of film music, and it's really awesome. It may, it may inspire you in a great way. I'll send you some of this later if you send me your email address. It's on yep. YouTube. Well, yeah, I mean, so I've checked out, uh, I check out a lot of YouTube stuff as well. You know, that, that's something that I'm so like, um, we're still on strumming, really, um, with where I'm at right now, is basically guitar strumming. I've actually, uh, self-taught myself a little bit of finger style but it's just a very very basic song like uh, a blues opening to a Richie Sambora blues song I've kind of like learned the opening to it, and that's kind of like played finger style before switching to the pick and going right. into a bit of strumming um, but you know it's it's um, it's like, like you said it is a really cool instrument to you know get to grips with once you once you pick it up and you you know you kind of really get into it and then you get into a little bit of space where you can be practicing you can just be noodling around with it and um, you know before you know it a couple of hours has gone by right you know 
Um, where were we? Um, Batman Flashpoint Paradox. Um, next question really is um, on, on Green Lantern or any, any, any show that you've actually been doing for sort of like a younger, a younger audience, um, have you ever actually wound up having to scrap a piece of music because you, you kind of figured it might be a little bit too scary or creepy for the audience? Mm. That's a great question. Um, I don't think I've ever toned anything down after the fact, but especially during Green Lantern, it's, it's been very much in the back of my head the whole, the whole time. Like I'm, as you probably have seen from my credits, I come from a strong horror background. I've done my fair share of low-budget horror films, um, you know, from Hostel 3, Mirrors 2, Hellraiser 9, and the list goes on. So I have a fair amount of experience in that genre. So I have all these sounds here and effects and scary things laying around my studio that I've used for those films. And I very much refrain from using any of them because I realized, although sometimes it would work for the scene when things get really creepy and, you know, with the Manhunters and it gets really dark, but I always try to keep it fairly tonal and thematic just because I think young children respond to that better than just really dissonant clusters. So I think it's just something I was cautiously aware of as I'm composing Green Lantern to not ever go that far. Sometimes, in fact, I would go, I think it's actually the other way around. I would I would hold back and then the producers would tell me, go more scary, go darker. And then I would go and, and address that accordingly. But I don't think they've ever asked me or I've asked myself to go back and do less scary. It was always the other way around, really. Mm. Uh, that, that's interesting because, you know, my, my, my inclination really would be, you know, I, I, I'd probably think like the producers, I'd say, go scary. We want the, yeah. kids, we want the kids to be terrorized and traumatized. Go scary. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's exactly what they, um, that's exactly what sometimes happened in the meetings, you know, when I played them something and they said, no, no, it's, it feels too mellow and it's got to be way, way scarier. So, and when once they, they told me that, I knew exactly what to do. I just had to had them tell me first before I actually went there, you know, because mm-hmm. I know it was, we had a lot of younger children audiences and I have a, I have a kid too. So I just, I just didn't want to scare them shitless <laughs> watching this show. I want them to keep watching it, keep the ratings up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so like, um, I'm not sure at these- <laughs> Is Green Lantern was Green Lantern actually shown in the morning over there in the US? Is it so like in, in yeah, it's a Saturday morning cartoon, just like Batman is, which <sighs> it's just kind of a bummer because I feel like it deserves a better slot because it's really adult theme, mm-hmm. large degree. But you know, it's just the way it is. So we had to live with it. It's it's kind of a it's kind of annoying because it got cancelled, isn't didn't it? it? Got cancelled along with the um, Young Justice, along with Young Justice, and yep. You know, I'm really good about that because I I actually really like Young Justice. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I did too. It's a great show, and we have a we have a pretty strong fan base ourselves for Green Lantern. It's, it's not as big, but there's a lot of fans that are really really into the show. And you know, there's a big issue with um, with advertisement. I, in my opinion, like I don't, I feel like the Cartoon Network advertises other shows a lot more than the DC stuff. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but um, they seem to have their priorities. You know, to me, not knowing anything about what they do and how they do things, it's just when I watch Cartoon Network, I see blasting. They're blasting ads on every other show all over the place, but the stuff I've been working on was just kind of barely there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that kind of so sucks. I, yeah, it does. It's, it's not. There's not nearly the amount of support that it needs. I think from the network. And I think the thing is also that thing of the way they're scheduling it as well. Because I've actually heard that they they'll schedule sort of like uh, maybe six episodes at a time. And then they'll then then they'll suddenly stop, and it'll be a whole year before, or a whole six months before you know yep. they see the rest of the show. Yeah. In the meantime, it's actually it's actually played over here in the UK or somewhere else in Europe before it actually actually gets played over there. Right, that's great to know that it plays over there. Is it still you have it on? Um, is it on in the morning as well, or is it at a better slot? 
Um, well, well, per- personally, I've, I've only ever really seen it on DVDs. I've been sent sent by Warner when 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 they've actually come out. So I've never actually seen it on TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, it's great to watch the stuff. Yeah, I don't know if it's on the UK iTunes store. Um, it might be now because iTunes is always my favorite place to watch things because it's HD and the sound is somewhat better than the broadcasted sound. So I always highly encourage my, my friends and fans to download the episode from iTunes and watch it there because mm-hmm. it sounds and looks better. Well, I use, uh, I use something called Love Film <laughs> and I also use um, a program called... Um, I use something called Love Film and uh, Netflix. And um, I, I usually so like uh, a lot of the time I, I watch stuff on my Kindle, <laughs> yeah. you know, so and do stuff do stuff that way. Um, you know, I have, I have iTunes as well, um, and I, I do watch a bit of stuff from there as well. So um, I don't I don't think I use a TV very much anymore. <laughs> Right. Um, you know, one 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 comment I have got is uh, when I, when I've actually whenever I've actually listened to your Green Lantern stuff, um, I can't help but feel you know, I I've shut my eyes and I listen to the music and all of a sudden I'm actually I'm actually song like um, on a mission with the Green Lantern song like uh, your music the music the way you do it, it tends to. You know, it's so so powerful that you know if you shut your eyes, you can kind of like feel like you're part of the action. Yeah, that's great to hear. You know, um, I I thought I don't know if you've been able to read the liner notes that Giancarlo and uh, Jim Krieg wrote, the writer, in the booklet, but because they mentioned like similar things, I think Giancarlo says, "Go before you do anything, go in the bathroom and brush your teeth and come back." And then he says, "And what did you feel? Nothing, right?" And then he talks about the Green Lantern score, and at the very end, he says. Okay, now go back to the bathroom, put on green lantern, now brush your teeth, and you'll have the most epic toothbrush thing ever, you know. And I thought, I think that was that was a good analogy. Mm. Well, you know, the, 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 way, the, way, the way you constructed your themes and the music, it's so like, it very, you know, very puts, kind of puts me in mind of the adventurous feel that, that you'd expect from something like a, um, an old Superman movie or Raids of the Lost Ark or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's um, good to hear because that's really you know we we didn't we never really wanted to the music to sound any like retro specifically but we definitely wanted to be very thematic and uh, hopefully we kept it contemporary enough so it feels re- relevant at the current time but um, you know being compared to um, Indiana Jones is always a good thing in my opinion. <laughs> well, we'll put it this way: I actually liked it better than the soundtrack for Man of Steel. Oh well, thank you. That's that's even a better compliment, I'd in, say. Because I I I, um, I I didn't like the soundtrack to Man of Steel at all. Yeah, some people have issues with it. You know, I personally liked it a lot. I thought it was very interesting, and I think I'm a big Hans fan for many things he's done. But yeah, some people didn't quite like it as much. I don't know. Superman is a tough thing because you're so everybody knows the the John Williams approach so well. So starting over with a new contemporary concept. Is a daunting task to say the least. Well, you know, um, like everyone, I like the John Williams score, but um, I wouldn't have expected them to have used the John Williams score on a new Superman movie if you're rebooting the character or yeah. something like that. So, I, I, I was, I went, when I went to see the film, I was prepared to go see something different with a different soundtrack. It's just that, you know, the the soundtrack. <laughs> Really, it, 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 actually, it actually took me out of the movie a few times, oh, yeah? and, and also the camera work. You know, felt it was a little bit too much of the the old hand camera and fast cutting. I, I just generally didn't like the movie very much. <laughs> so um, it's 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 um, it, it's it's a strange one. It's a tough. It's, it's a tough one with Superman, like like you say. Um, I think. Had they, you know, had you had, you know, the the Superman movie that I made a couple of years ago and taken the good bits from that, 
and the current Superman movie and taken good bits from that and put them together in one movie, then you would have had the perfect mix. Right. That, that might yeah. have worked. It's um, an interesting idea. I never, never thought of that. You know, it, it's just, um, uh, it, it didn't quite work for me um, on, on a whole, sadly. Now, on Comic-Con, they announced that Batman will be in the next Man of Steel movie, so I'm interested to see how they treat that part of it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be, um, you know, it's something like that could either be, that will either turn out really, really cool. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or ringy, ringy, badly. Um, you know, and it's also one of those things where they've met so many times in the comics and on Justice League and the, and the cartoons and animated series. Um, but you know, this you know, there's going to be you know a hang of a lot of expectation from the fans. I wouldn't want to be the person doing that job. Yeah. I know, I know. It's a tough one to start, absolutely. Um, on a fun note, and um, I think we did, you know, kind, kind of speak about this a little bit earlier, but uh, what kinds of music do you kind of like to listen to when you're not composing? You know, is there any, are there any bands or singers that you enjoy listening to? I mean, I do I do listen to a lot of film music, so that's one thing, but let's, let's stay away from that for a moment and think about what other things... Um, what do I listen to a lot? You know, I've been recently very interested in, in uh, some of the stuff that uh, this artist uh, Skrillex is doing, some of the, his dubstep music. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed that. You know, it's really interesting music, and I think he's really good at writing melodic things. I'm, I really like his stuff a lot. I found myself listening to him more and more recently. I love... I have a couple of old records that I've always loved and that I could listen to forever. For example, uh, um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers... What was that album called? Californication? Was it? Uh-huh. Yeah, that one. And, you know, Radiohead, OK Computer is one of my favorite records ever. So I, I, I listen to that a lot, yeah. to those type of things. It's, in contemporary music, there's really that, not that much that I've, I feel drawn to besides currently Skrillex is the only one I'm, I think that's current that I'm listening to quite a, a great deal. Yeah, I, I've, got a, I've got a few uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers things. I can actually play a bit on the guitar. Um um, I kind of I've been I've been listening to uh, Smash's uh, you know Smash the former guitarist from Guns and Roses. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, I've been listening to his solo. He's he's, he's had two solo albums uh, and he toured the one toured the last one this year called Apocalyptic Love. And there's some there's some great great guitar parts on on that. Um, listening to a bit of Soundgarden. Oh of, yeah, that's to I like Soundgarden. Bit of Alter yeah. Bridge. I think, <laughs> think think it's Alter Bridge. Yeah. Um, and you know, on on the easy on the easy listening side, I kind of like listening to a lot of your old standards such as Bean Crosby, uh, Nat King Cole. Mm. <laughs> People like that on the easy listening side. Yeah. You know, which is kind of funny, you know, I'm talking about rock music and these, these uh, you know, rock bands have a lot of attitude and, 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 and now now we're bringing it all down to being Crosby. <laughs> wow, yeah, well, you know, it's it's great stuff. He's mm-hmm. a fantastic artist, so there's nothing, it's really good stuff. I mean, I listen to jazz myself quite a bit, too. Um, there's a couple of people that I always enjoy. There's this guitarist called Kurt Rosenbinkel, which I think is really terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like some Pat Metheny stuff, too. Not the group stuff, but more the trio stuff. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was listening to the other day it was, um, it was actually um, a repeat of the uh, 2005 90th birthday concert it was on Sky Arts here in the UK um, but they, they actually shown you know uh, a documentary as well they shown a documentary it was called Nespoir Finding Sound and oh. then they shown the Nespoir concert and it was mostly made up of jazz and blues and it was just it was just so like fantastic it was just like a, it was literally like watching a jam session wow 
And it, you know, it was just you no know, kind of cool. I just sat there and thinking, wow. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I'm not not that confident on the on, on the guitar that I could pick my guitar up and start playing along. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. You know, but it was a. Uh, I've actually kept it on my TiVo so that when I do get to that point, I can do. <laughs> right, excellent. That that was a uh, that, that that was a lot lot, lot of fun uh, to listen to. Uh, one 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 of the um, things that you're working on right now is the uh, new new Beware the Batman series. Uh, are you allowed to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's already on the air here, so I. It's all it's all out there, so we can talk about anything. Um, how differently have you approached that, say, Green Lantern? Because to my mind, uh, Batman is always going to be coming from you know some of a darker place, and there's only so much uh, dumbing down you can do with a Batman character for the kids. Yeah, there is not many. It's really adult, you know. It's, it's a very dark show. Very few jokes. It's not like Brave and the Bold in any way. It's very, very dark. The set design is very dark. The characters are very dark. It's it's really an interesting vibe. And musically, we really tried to match that. Um, in a in a sense, like the animation itself. If you're looking at some of the clips that are out, um, it's it's got a little bit of an old school '60s feel to it. But overall, in a very contemporary setting. So musically, it's pretty much the same thing. It's very contemporary electronic-based music with James Bond elements, like twangy guitars, muted trumpets, and that kind of stuff, and some drum drum set things. So really, we, it's kind of a hybrid of those two worlds together. Because the whole idea was to, to make Batman a little bit more James Bond, but in a very, very dark Batman kind of way, you know? Not too spy, but just a little bit, like Sherlock Holmes, James Bond, but Batman. So that was kind of the overall concept. And quite honestly, it was something that I, there's nothing out there that sounds like that where I could go and say, this is the sound we need, and I need to emulate that. It was really something I had to figure out, and I'm not saying I've created something completely outrageously new. I'm not pre- pretending that that ever happens because it's it's impossible. But it's something that I certainly it's, this kind of hybrid is something that I had to figure out myself without having any tangible audio example, you know, from the past movie history. So I really had to sit there and figure it out. And it doesn't sound anything like the Nolan Batman. It doesn't sound anything like the earlier Batman movies that you know Danny Elfman and Elliot Goldenthal scored. It doesn't sound anything like the other Batman animated shows. So this is really something, this is kind of a new a new vibe. And people are responding to it in an interesting way. Like, they're not quite sure what to make of it. They're very, they're caught a little bit off guard because they were expecting Batman again done in a similar way than it was before. And it is very different. So we're hoping it will, like, they'll grow attached to it in the same way they did to the other stuff. Mm. Yes, yeah, just you know, my, my memories of Batman growing up as a kid, you know, I grew up in the, uh, I grew up in, so like, uh, I, was, I was a child ring of the 80s. Mm-hmm. As in, you know, the, the 70s were kind of a blur for me because, you know, but I, I was about 10 once 1980 came out and um, and we had um, and we had a lot of reruns of old 70s cartoons and stuff like that. And um, I, I remember the old Batman TV series where it's all like, dinner, 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 Batman, you know, just really basic um, sound, sounding soundtrack. And then in in the nineties we have the uh, we have the the first Batman series and all, all these new, new new Batman series we had come out in the in the nineties um, you know in terms of the music and the score and stuff like that they're just like mini movies right in in, in comparison to you know the stuff that I, I grew up with right <laughs> so it's um, you know kind kind of a blew, 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 blew me away. Um, I've not seen Beware of a Batman yet, mm-hmm. but you know ho- hopefully I get to see it soon because I, I, I you know I, I kind of like the Batman and kind of like the fact that um, you know when when they asked you last year what you wanted to do, you said you wanted to do Batman. 
Yep, that's right. It's, it happened. It really happened. There was an omen, and I'm glad I mentioned it in the interview because the word was out there, and I think the universe helped to make it happen. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, so like, uh, what what do you want to do next year? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, next year I want to do. Um, what do I want to do? I want to do. Oh, that's a good question. You know what I would really like to do now that I've done so much superhero animation. I would like to do like some kind of family animation. You know, something like a Pixar movie or something like that. That'd be really fun. Yeah, I think I'm ready for that. And I've I've learned a lot during this whole animation process in the past three four years. So diving into that would be certainly a new exciting venture for me. So I'm gonna see if that can happen. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'd... perfectly happy doing more superhero your stuff no question i'm having the best time of my life with this material mm-hmm. but if you're asking me what would be some one of my dreams dream jobs it would probably one of be one of those for the next couple of years for sure cool I mean, maybe a pixar animation of the swiss family robinson that'd be pretty cool exactly because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they've actually remade that as a as a feature film um in a good few years right yeah that's a good idea maybe somebody will hear this interview and pitch it <laughs> yeah and you know hopefully um and I've noticed, um, I looked at IMDb earlier and noticed that you've got another movie coming up. Uh, you did music for um, a film called Gangles Hill. Yeah. Um, I, you know, what, what, what can you tell us about that? Because so like, um, from what I could, from what I could uh, find out in very brief time that I, um, that I used to prepare for this, um, is there, there was absolutely, there was absolutely no plot details for this film on the, um, on, on the internet. So I'm just wondering if you could, so like, fill in the blanks on that. Well, you know, that movie is still in the works of making. We're, I just finished the score and it's off to mixing. And it, I think the distributor is still up in the air for the US release. So that's probably why you haven't seen anything about it. Because the movie, it's an independent production, but a very, very high end one, in my opinion. The movie came out great and it takes place in Colombia. It's in a really, really interesting house so i think it's i think it's a very strong film it's just a matter of getting it finished and then figuring out what to do with it past that point and once that's all set i'm sure you'll be seeing a lot about it but it's basically it's basically uh, a, a supernatural horror film so to speak. but it's, it's an interesting story very very good story mm-hmm. very creepy and scary and and yeah actually it's one of those films you know where it has very little disgusting things it's not barely any gore but it's really creepy it's yeah. kind of like the james wan movies you know where you don't see much guts and blood and spill but you're at the edge of your seat regardless I think that's a really clever filmmaking if you're able to do that yeah it sounds like something my sister would probably like um, because my sister's a huge horror fan oh really yeah then she'll definitely enjoy that one but she doesn't like and um, and slasher film, she kind of likes uh, nice and scared and have suspense. Yeah, more, more yeah. psychological stuff. Like, yep, that will be one for her for sure. But for, for example, um, I went with her last year to see The Woman in Black, uh-huh. and she she actually said said that as you know a few points that film actually scared her. Um, I, I I I just didn't get it. I just think you know there was no, nothing in that film that scared me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the I haven't seen that one, so I can't. I can't relate to that at all. I haven't seen this movie, but maybe I should check it out. It, it's it's a good film. It's it's a good story, but um, it just didn't scare me. But very little does in horror films. <laughs> I think that's why my sister takes me to horror films where she knows that I'm not going to be scared. So, you know, at least I'm there. She can, she can grab hold of my hands because uh, you know, <laughs> her husband's too chicken to go with her. <laughs> right. You know, so... <laughs> yeah, it sounds like uh, sounds like an interesting one for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I'll keep an eye out for that one. Good. Anyway, uh, thanks, ready for your time. It's been great speaking to you again, and um, hopefully we, we can touch base again next ta- next year. Yes, that would be great, and we'll talk about my upcoming family animation movie. Yeah, <laughs> that, that'd <laughs> be point. cool, and, and may, maybe you will get me playing guitar on here as well. Yeah, that's right. 
SFP now. I think we're pretty sure we um, got our priorities straight. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Join us, your hosts, Miles P. McLaughlin and Scott Herzog, as we serve up a delightful menu of science fiction interviews and news in the television, movie, DVD, and book world. Test your geek cred with trivia. Top off your meal with the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Come visit the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at scifidinerpodcast.com or subscribe to us in iTunes. We're serving up sci-fi from here to the end of the universe. And that about wraps this show up. Um, hope you enjoyed listening. Um, hopefully we'll be back um, with you uh, next week with uh, some more great interviews. And um, we'll probably be bringing back the uh, news section within the next, uh, within the next few weeks. Um, so that's all for now, folks. And, you know, before, before I do go... Um, you can actually check out more of our stuff at www.scifipostradio.com or you can actually just do a keyword search on iTunes and you can find us that way by typing in Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. Um, as ever, thanks for listening and um, don't forget we have two shows. We have Genretainment, which is you know hosted by Marts and Junior Pyle and um, their, their show at the moment is uh, once every two weeks and um, we have SFP now, which comes out every Friday. So um, as ever, thanks for listening and we'll be back with you next week. Offered the world order.